Welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and I invite you to indulge your secret obsession by joining me as I read thriller and spicy romance that will get your heart pounding with chills and thrills. So relax, and let's take a journey together. 34. A Trip to the Park The events at Kelly's house still had Evan on edge. What if he hadn't been able to bring her back to the present? Would Lexi have died? He held the steering wheel at ten and two, but his eyes darted to her in the passenger seat. If he hadn't broken the connection that she had with Kelly and the murderer, would he be looking at her body at the morgue? What would Tamika find as her cause of death? Murder by telepathy? By psychic connection? He was way out of his depth on this. Lexi stared out the car window. Houses and stores zipped by, but she didn't see any of them. The only image playing through her mind was of her visit to the past. Kelly died horrifically, filled with terror and pain. Lexi stroked her neck, expecting to feel a sticky, bloody mess, but her fingers came away clean. I, I don't know how to break through, she finally said, cutting the silence with a weak voice, one desperate for answers. What did you see? He glanced at her and then refocused on the road. He was still amped up from seeing her body thrash around. He'd never been so scared. Lexi nervously adjusted the seatbelt. She felt like she had to do something, exert some sort of control over the situation, even if it was just fiddling with his strap. When I got into his head, it was all black. Nothing. But then a wolf with red eyes came towards me. A wolf? Evan interrupted. Yes. This is the second time I've seen the wolf. Wait, when was the first? At Anna's house. When you found me on the floor, the wolf was there. The man's masked face morphed into the wolf. Does this mean that the wolf is his spirit animal? Is it protecting him somehow? Something like that. I think it's called a Patronus. The wolf hides his real identity. I have to get past the wolf to see the real him. Evan tapped the top of the steering wheel. But wait, if he's set up this wolf to be his protector, does that mean he knows about you? Or people like you? Lexi rubbed her forehead with her fingertips. That's a good question. He must know there are others out there like us. She let out a loud huff. Like us. I have no idea what he is. Is he like me? Is he stronger than I am? I sure as hell don't know how to do what he's doing. I'm not even in control when I time jump, if that's even what I should call it. Evan pulled into the parking garage by the news station. We'll figure it out together, he said. She glanced at him as he turned off the car. You can't tell anyone about me, what I can do. You know that, right? He studied her face. Her hazel eyes were fixed on him, determined and strong. She was fucking brave to do what she did. Travel through time to witness a murder? A murder that would feel real to her. But there was sincere concern in her face. The little lines around her eyes, her lips pressed tightly together, betrayed her fear of something that could get her in real life. He reached across and set his hand on hers. You're safe with me. Evan's quiet strength was something she liked about him. She believed him. Let's find this Tommy guy. Maybe he has some answers for us. 
Evans spotted Tommy by the shrubs. The other police had already talked to him, but he wanted Lexi to meet the man. Perhaps she could get some type of clue, something important from him. He tapped Lexi's arm and pointed to the man on the other side of the park. Lexi approached Tommy. He was leaning against a tree with his legs out in front of him. His feet were caked with dirt. His gray hair was a mass of brittle strands that either stuck out awkwardly or were matted together. Her heart hurt for the man. No one should have to live like this. Hello, Lexi began and introduced herself. Tommy tilted his head as he studied the woman before him. People like her typically hurried away from him, pretended that he didn't exist. Yeah, he said. What do you want? She smiled and hunched down by him. I'm looking for a friend. I think you met him. I don't know nobody. Tommy glared at the tall man with the woman. Was he her protector? Then he set his eyes on Lexi again. What friend? He gave you something for Monique Blair? The woman at the news station? It was an envelope. <gasps> oh my! Tommy leaned forward, his eyes lit with wonder. The angel! He said, I am a servant of God. I gave her the gift. He tapped excitedly on his chest. I am a servant of God. That's right. You do remember. What did he look like? Tommy let out a noise of awe. An angel, he cried dramatically. He wore all white, beautiful flowing robes, not a speck of dirt on them. A golden glow surrounded him. It was hard to look at him for too long. It hurt my eyes. Tommy dramatically moved his arms in a big circle. Giant wings even flapped in the air. He looked exactly like the pictures at church. Disappointed, Lexi looked over her shoulder at Evan. Then she looked at Tommy again. Tommy, I've never met an angel before. You are very special. I gave her the envelope, just like you told me to. I know. Do you mind if I touch your hand, the one the angel touched? That might be the closest I ever get to touching an angel. Tommy's brows pulled down as skepticism filled him. Is this a trick? No, Tommy, it's not a trick. Tommy stuck out one hand. I held the envelope with this hand. I can't remember if he actually touched me. That's okay, Lexi nodded. Then, with his eyes locked on hers, she slowly reached out and touched his hand. The connection instigated a series of flipping images through her mind. Not a single one was useful. She withdrew her hand. Thank you for letting me do that. She stood and pulled a $20 bill from her pocket. You can buy some food with this. He laughed out loud and snatched the money, pulling it close to his chest. Thank you. You're welcome. She stood and motioned to Evan to walk back towards the car. It was an angel. Was there an image of the man on video? From one of the cameras around here? She glanced around. With all the stores nearby, there had to be a few cameras recording. Evan shook his head. No, nothing. Just a bunch of static. Damn, this man thinks of everything. Huh, yeah, Evan said. That's going to be a problem. 35. Cleo Allister Lexi knocked on the door to light as a feather. 
The little bell above the door jingled as she walked into the fortune teller's shop. Cleo Allister was expecting her. She called out to announce her presence and walked into the waiting room of the shop. I'm coming, Cleo called out. Just getting some tea together. Cleo poured the boiling water into the teapot and dropped in the tea bags. She picked up the silver tray and made her way to the waiting room. So good to see you again, Cleo said with a smile. The little bells on her long skirt jingled with each step. Her long gray hair was tied back. She tilted her head towards the reading room. Come, let's talk in here. Thanks for meeting with me, Lexi began as she followed Cleo to the round table where Cleo read fortunes. Candles were lit and incense burned. A pleasant scent filled the air. Oh, of course. Cleo set the tea service on the table and came around. Opening her arms wide, she embraced Lexi. You are always welcome here. Lexi relished Cleo's hug. It was a connection to someone from her family's past. But she also missed her mother's hugs. She would do anything to feel her mother's arms around her again. Cleo pulled out of the hug. Did you hear about that murder? Do you think it's the same person who killed your friends? Yes, it is. Oh, I'm so sorry. What are the police doing? Lexi fiddled with her hands in her lap. Oh, well, one of the best detectives is on the case. Hopefully the killer will screw up and leave a clue of some sort. A serial killer. Cleo shook her head in disgust. That poor woman. Her family. To have that on the internet. It's terrible. Lexi tried not to think about it much, but she'd relived the event in her dreams the night before. It is. I'd love to help somehow. I've been experimenting, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Cleo poured a cup of tea and handed it to Lexi. What kind of experiments? The dangerous kind. She paused. Something in her warned her that even talking about this could be dangerous. But Cleo was her best bet at getting help. Cleo raised a brow. What do you mean? I did it again, Lexi said. The time-jumping thing. Cleo set her arms on the table and leaned towards Lexi. That is incredible. What did you see? Well, nothing too exciting. I entered a big black room. There was no light. It was almost like a sensory deprivation room at first. Then a wolf came at me. She couldn't tell Cleo the details. She'd promised Evan complete secrecy. If it came out that he had taken her to the crime scene, he could get in serious trouble, and it would draw attention to her skills. Oh my goodness, Cleo absentmindedly turned her teacup in a circle. What did you do? Well, one second it was there, the next it was gone. Cleo let out a big sigh. You're going right to the hard stuff. She clicked her tongue as she thought. I think I may have something for you. Cleo stood and walked over to the antique dresser that held candles, a few books, and other trinkets. She slid the books around so she could read their spines. When she found the one that she wanted, she pulled it free and returned to the table. This is a grimoire. It's essentially a book filled with magic. I've heard of those. The book was old, with gold lettering along the spine. Lexi reached out and placed her fingertips in the leather cover and traced the antique font that said, Daemonion. What does this mean? She glanced up at Cleo. 
It's Greek for things of divine nature. Lexi opened the book and touched the paper. She flipped through it. Everything was written by hand. Quick little sketches and even detailed pictures were found throughout. This is amazing. Well, you can take that home with you, Cleo began. I don't have to tell you how special that book is. It belonged to my grandmother, Esmacostas. Yes, Lexi said. I remember the picture you showed me. I will guard this with my life. A knock sounded on the door, interrupting them. Grandma, I'm going now. A beautiful tall brunette stood in the doorway. Cleo stood and smiled. Lexi, let me introduce you to my granddaughter, Nikita Romanoff. Hello, Lexi replied. Nice to meet you. You too, Nikita said. She glanced at a text on her cell. I gotta go. Enjoy your reading, she said with a smile as she walked away. Cleo waited until she heard the front door close. Then she returned to the table. Nikita, such a sweet girl, but she doesn't have the gift. As far as she knows, we just make this stuff up as we go along to put bread on the table. I will not mention your abilities to her. Thank you, Lexi replied, and I won't tell her that this shit is real. She teased with a smile. Now that you're caught up with the audiobook, get ready to discuss some spine-tingling true crime stories that will make your heart race at everything that goes bump in the night. Uh, we have Tracy Grace with us today. Tracy is an author of paranormal fiction. And Tracy, I would love to hear more about you and how you interact with the supernatural. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for having me on, Karen, for the first thing. Um, I've always been able to do the kind of medium type work where I actually usually hear spirits more than I see them. And it started out when I was very, very little. Uh, the first time I recall it was sitting on a tricycle. So I was probably two, two years yeah. old. And what did you see? Or do you want to go into that? Yeah, um, I was actually, I was living in central Florida. And there was a lot of, I was actually living in like an uh, area that was a lot of groves. Back then in central Florida, they had a lot of groves. And uh, <clears throat> across the street was a grove. And about a block away was this old Spanish house and it was two stories and it had been vacant for years that it was grown up with grass way over people's heads, adults' heads. And one day I was sitting out on my tricycle on the front porch and I felt something kind of weird and I looked up and here's this man standing on the second floor of that old house and he's just kind of looking around and he started staring at me and I started screaming. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew it wasn't logical because that house was vacant. You know? mm-hmm. Did he look like a regular human to you or was there some sort of glow or aura no. about him that he looked totally real? He, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, and you got to remember, I'm very young. Yeah, but he was dressed all in black. There was just something not quite right. And right. thinking back on it, he was dressed. He looked like it was about the 1800s, actually, mm-hmm. maybe the early 1900s. He mm-hmm. definitely was not dressed as we would be, you know, at that time. Right. Um, 
And I just started screaming and my dad <laughs> ran out and I was pointing and of course he couldn't see anything. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. that was when he first realized that something was going on with me that wasn't quite regular. Mm-hmm. But, um, in his family, <laughs> he was used to this because um, two of his sisters were psychics, but he called them oh. witches. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then on my mother's side, uh, my great grandfather was a very famous, what they call the table turner in the 1800s. And he was um, very big in the psychic community at that point. Very so cool. anyway, it, was, it was on both sides of my family, but um, directly that it wasn't in my mother or my father. So it kind right. of like skipped a few generations. Oh, okay. and I was actually born blue. So I was dead, officially mm-hmm. dead. And um, they revived me and gave me eight hours to live. Mm-hmm. And I made it. But yeah. I, to tell you the truth, I really think that's where all this started. Besides the fact that I had it in my family. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a combination of those two things. Right. Or mm-hmm. if it's one or the other. I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's a combination of both, you know. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. Um, so when, when you came out, you were a blue baby. You were officially figured you'd stopped breathing? Yes, I was mm-hmm. actually born dead. And wow. that's, that's the name of my book that I'm working on right now. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about the book or do you want to just focus more on your gifts and what you do with them? Um, I can talk a little bit about the book. I, it's, it's, I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, a few years ago, I went through a really, really tragic tragic time where I lost about six people in a matter of a year and a half. And um, the last one was so horrific to me that I totally closed down and I kind of had a bit of a breakdown actually. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a person I called my adopted mom. She suicided and uh, it's devastating. So anyway, how it affected me is it, is it shut me down as far as my, any kind of medium abilities that I'd had my whole life were stopped. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to, to get help. And my partner said, you know, you need to find a grief, a grief therapist because you're in so much grief, you can't barely function. Right. And, uh, finally, I checked around and I found somebody that was, they said she was open to people like me, you know, that are a little bit different. And um so I thought, okay, well, I'll try her. Well, then when I went and she started asking me the standard questions that they ask when you're going to therapy, and she asked if I ever saw or heard anything that wasn't there, and I answered honestly because I was under the impression that she was okay with that, mm-hmm. and she immediately thought I needed to see a psychiatrist and go on drugs. Right. You know? <laughs> Antipsychotic medications. Right. And I was, I was dumbfounded by it. You know, it's like, what, <laughs> you know, I'm mm-hmm. here grief. I'm not here to go to, you know, so what ended up happening was that I was the last client. Uh, she was retiring because health issues and I was her last client ever in her whole career. And boy, did we have a run there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <I had laughs> but, she totally thought I was psychotic and mm-hmm. it was very interesting I stuck with it and they said the only the only way they could see me is if they ran a battery of tests that mm-hmm. would prove that I'm psychotic and then I would have to go to a, a, a psychiatrist and get antipsychotic 
drugs. Mm -hmm. I said, well, that's not going to happen, but go, you know, feel free to test me all you want because I am not insane. And they started testing me and um, (laughs) guess what? I wasn't insane. I mean, they, they couldn't, they ran every test they could. And she said, I, I, I see that you're just normal besides what you say. And I said, yeah, right. mm-hmm. I'm fine. You know? Yeah. So anyway, the book is about that. It's about mm-hmm. me helping her and her helping me mm-hmm. and, uh, how we both came to an understanding about each other. Right. And, uh, it, it ends so beautifully. Of course, I'm not going to give away the ending, but <laughs> right. Yep. He's a believer at the end. I will say right. That. That is very cool. And then do you want to tell us the name of the book or when it's going to come out? Um, I'm still working on the full title, but okay. it is going to be Born Dead. And I think it's going to be the, the subtitle, um, The Experiences of a Reluctant Medium. Okay, I, That sounds great. Yeah, I think that's going to be it because I have been reluctant to do this. And actually, this is my first big interview with you. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, come out and talked about this publicly ever in my life. I'm about halfway through my life now, and I think I better start being honest. Well, thank you for coming on here and talking about this. I, I know it's got to be a challenge, and um, it, it takes some uh, some courage to come out and tell people stuff that maybe some people just don't believe. It's, yes. <laughs> it, it's a... <laughs> It's a challenge and, you know, you're stepping up to it. And um, thank you for trusting us, trusting me with this information. Um, now, you, you had mentioned The Born Dead for the title. Can you explain to us, um, you mentioned how you had been born dead and then you had your tricycle incident. Like, would you say that you had a lot of visions or did you see scary things as a kid? Yes. Um, if you can just kind of fill us in on the between that lady agreeing with you and realizing that wow she does actually have a gift and you were two years old on the tricycle what were some things that happened in between that made you realize that I do have a gift and it wasn't just a pretend or an invisible friend maybe it was some you really were seeing things and that realization between what you could see and what other people could see yeah I mean it's I can remember like some of the first experiences I had were out of body experiences where you would kind of float above your body. Like people talk about this when they're having an NDE, like a near death experience. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it was, it was very scary that I can, I can remember it like it was yesterday, the first time it happened and I was like floating up to the ceiling. And I got so terrified, you know, that I fell back into my body and was screaming my head off, um, uh-huh. you know, because it, it was it was very, very frightening. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't do that for a while. <laughs> were you able to look at yourself? Like, were you looking at yourself as if you were looking down from the ceiling? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I didn't I didn't go anywhere because it so terrified me that mm-hmm. I was in my body for for those few moments. Right. No. And I was totally conscious. I wasn't dreaming. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were awake when you were on the bed. Yes. And I oh, floated wow. up to the ceiling. Yes. It was, it was frightening and it got so, I just, I just started thinking about this when we were talking about it. Um, it got so prevalent that by the time I was in second grade, uh, I was sent to the therapist at school. You know how they used to have mm-hmm. the 
school. Yes. I don't, I don't think they call them therapists. Counselor or something. Counselor. Yeah. And I remember her t- questioning me about this. And uh, she said, can you show me how you float right now? Uh-huh. You know? And of course I couldn't, you know, because right. it's not your body that's doing it. Uh-huh. Right. So, yeah. I, I must have been talking about it for them to send me to the counselor. You know, right. Mm-hmm. But I don't recall what led up to that. I just, I just remember going and standing in her office and her looking at me and saying that she's a very nice person. She wasn't mm-hmm. condescending. But yeah, I had a lot of, I started having a lot of experiences like that and mm-hmm. seeing things that I couldn't, I couldn't explain, you know? Right. What would you say is the purpose or what, what was the benefit of being able to do those out-of-body experiences? Was it a way of helping people or was it just a cool thing that you could do that was unique and you'd never really, you didn't uh, try to, to become a, an expert at leaving your body and doing other things? Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, I, I think it kind of scared me so much. I didn't do it for a long time. Okay. Um, then I started, I'm trying to think I would see things every once in a while when I was growing up and i and I had a very close relationship with what I felt was like a angel. Something uh-huh. Um, and they would do, they would do things like, I, I know this is going to sound really strange, but I would end up with coloring books and things that my parents didn't buy. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. I don't know what that was. I, right. I never saw them come to me and hand me a book. You know, I never right. saw any of that. But I just remember my mother going, where did you get this? You know, uh-huh. I have, I would have no idea. That kind of, right. mm-hmm. um, that kind of took care of me. But um, they were there a lot when I was going through the abuse issues, which mm-hmm. I have to kind of say that I've worked um, with quite a few really, really famous psychics, actually, and done some work in the background with them. But uh, every psychic that I have ever worked with that has been a professional psychic has been um, had something similar. They all had the same thing, and that was abuse in their childhood. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I wonder if the abuse, um, like you were thinking that perhaps everybody is kind of born with this ability, and then it just kind of goes away, or they lose it. I wonder if the abuse and maybe the um, need for kids to escape. I wonder if that is what helps strengthen that ability to, to have the psychic experiences. I'm not sure, but it's interesting that you said that a commonality is Mm -hmm. that there was a history of abuse. That's just the ones I knew personally. (laughs) Um, When we discussed it, and I've had this conversation with four or five of the ones that I've worked with, um, we all kind of felt like you get to a point, a level where you're so watching people for the abuse Mm -hmm. that it becomes kind of ingrained in you um, like an ability almost that Mm -hmm. you can can read people, you know, Uh and then it it migrates into a, a larger level of it being more, more than just looking at someone and seeing their anger or whatever, mm-hmm. it becomes more subliminal, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it kind of like you see psychologically, you see red flags in a sense? Yes. I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. It, it's like, it just keeps developing, you know, mm-hmm. it's like 
a way to save yourself. So would you say you feel like if you meet new people, do you you feel like you get a feeling about them, like whether they're good or bad, or do you not really feel that right away? No, right away. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. And like if they, and this is another, that's funny you brought that up because I can be standing on the outside of a house or going down the road or whatever, and I can feel a spirit then. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to see it. I just feel it. Uh Uh-huh. Is that a spirit you think that's caught between death and life or, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've had several, (laughs) I mean, I'm thinking back on it. I've had probably thousands of experiences like this and some of them are really, really fast, you know, like a fleet fleeting Mm -hmm. uh, thought. And then some of them are a a discussion, you know, where you you talk to the person, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, like there, I'll, I'll tell you this one story. Um, there's this road in Asheville and and there was this very old motel up on this little hill and it was across the street from UPS. And so I was always going to UPS and sending stuff out, you know, for my small business that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, I would always feel like there was a spirit there and Mm -hmm. I I just, but I never had contact with the person and then they tore the motel down. And so (laughs) he ended up getting in my truck and we conversation and he had been and now you have to remember or uh, you know you might not know this but on the spiritual side when somebody's caught in the in-between a lot of time time is different for them and they don't realize how long it's been most Mm -hmm. most i've never met one that knew Uh years and this guy when i had this little conversation with him he had been in the, at the motel since the fifties, you know, uh-huh. and he had no idea. And he was wanting me to, to talk to his wife and kids, you know, and as far as he was concerned, they were still young. Right. You know? And then mm-hmm. as I, you know, as we talked a little bit, I could tell that he had been caught there for years, you know, yeah. decades. Mm-hmm. And once the hotel was torn down, I guess it, shook him up enough and that he came out, mm-hmm. you know, but I caught, I got the impression that he had a heart attack there huh? and, mm-hmm. and uh, he died there and he didn't, I don't think he knew it. And that's the thing. I, a lot of people say, well, how can somebody not know they're dead? Well, if you are unconscious when you die, you may not know, you know? Right. Um, and that's usually the type of people that I end up working with are the ones that are kind of caught in the in-between. Mm-hmm. Or if you've had a very violent death, you might relive it over and over. And those are tragic. Those people are, are tragic. Yeah, that's, that's like the worst thing in your life. And it just keeps happening over and over again. It's it, and it, and to break the pattern that they're in, it's, it's sometimes very hard. It, it doesn't always happen right away. You know, because mm-hmm. it's there's so much intense emotion mm-hmm. that you can't break through it. You know, um, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of love. You know, you have to love this. You have to love them. And I may have asked this already, but I just want to make sure I understand or or ask in case I haven't asked it. When you see these people, like, it, do you know right away? No. That you don't. So you think everybody else is going to be able to see this person. Yeah. Okay. And, and I did that. The funny thing there is I didn't realize that for many years, mm-hmm. you know, and I cannot tell you how many people I've seen that aren't there. 
that, you know, I just thought they were people, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. They look solid. I don't have any sheet looking people, you know, look right. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have any weird, you know, hazy looking. They look real. Okay. You know? <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's just it's just really funny because I did not realize that for many years. You know, I just didn't. Have you ever been with a friend or someone where you start talking to someone and they're not really there or, you know, they've gone, but the friend doesn't see them? Yeah, that's that's happened on occasion, but not very often. I mean, uh, let, let me explain something with mine, with my experience. I don't do this every day. Um, uh -huh. It comes and goes for me. I don't know what causes it to come and go. I don't know if it's just because someone particularly might need me at one point. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not a consistent thing, which is one reason why I never went into it professionally, because it, you know, to me, it's a gift that I help people that are mm -hmm. caught. And I'm, I really believe at one point I must have been caught here or somewhere. And so I have a huge empathy for anyone that's that has no idea what's happening to them. Right. Well, it's interesting that you say that you felt like maybe you had been caught because perhaps being born um, dead or being born blue, you were in a sense at that moment caught. Yeah. And then you came back to life or whatever. Um, so you were living again. Yeah. So you kind of do have that um, experience of, in a sense, being dead or being caught in the middle. Yes. And like some of the people that I've met, I'll, I'll tell you one that, that was really beautiful to me. I, I had an out of body and um, I was walking down a hallway and it feels real when this mm -hmm. happens to me. I'm usually in deep meditation. Okay. And uh, I, I felt like I was walking down a hallway and I could hear this woman crying and I knocked on the door and she said, please come in. You know, and I walked in and I, there was a little seat there and I sat down next to her and she goes, I, I don't know why. Can you see me? You know, can you see me? And I said, yes. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. she said, I don't know why my friends can't see me. And she was sobbing. Uh -huh. And I said, um, you know, and it's, that's the moment that's the hardest is when you tell somebody that they're dead. Yeah. You know, and I said, look, I've, I've got to tell you something that might help you. And she said, please, please help me. No one can see me. I, I mean, it's devastating. Uh -huh. You deal with them because God only knows how long this has been going on, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, um, you're no longer in your body. And, and she's like, what are you talking about? You know, really? Yeah. Sad. And I said, you you've passed on. Not, and she still wasn't getting, it. I said, look, yeah, you're dead. <laughs> you know, I try to ease yeah. in, you know, but man, sometimes they are just not hearing it. And she was like, what? You know, and I yeah. said, you, you're no longer in your body. You're dead. I don't know what happened, but you're dead. And mm -hmm. she goes, that's why people can't see me. And I said, yes, but and uh. she said, you can. And I said, I'm here to help you. Uh -huh. And she said, um, look, I've never been religious. I, I really don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. And I remember reaching over and patting her hand. And I said, honey, it doesn't matter if you don't believe because God believes in you. And that was it. She was gone. She didn't say thank you. She didn't say anything. <laughs> I mean, it was that just kind of she poof and she was gone. She just need, yeah, she just needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. And and she was gone over. You know, mm -hmm. it, it was beautiful. I've seen mm -hmm. some really beautiful things. And then I've seen some just horrible things. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know what you're gonna get. No, I guess not. Yeah. Um 
could you tell me like, um, I think back to the little kids, you know, like uh, in the movie Sixth Sense, you know, yeah. he sees the dead per he sees the the psychiatrist and yes. I mean, as a kid, were there ever times where you knew you were maybe that where you were surrounded by, I don't know if ghosts is the right word. Um, how would you describe that? Like being a child, I can imagine that that could be quite terrifying. It was. And I'll tell you what, the sixth sense was one of the truest things I've ever seen in my life as far as my childhood. Uh I actually had a sheet that I kept over the dining room table. Uh And a lot of times I would sneak in there and sleep at night because I did not feel safe in my own bed. Uh You know, you felt safer under the table. Yeah. It was like a little tent or something. Yeah. Which, you know, realistically, it makes no sense because if they want to contact you, they don't care where you're at, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. But as a little kid, you know, I thought this was the safest thing for me to do. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I didn't see them like he did, though. Um, My, like I said, mine are so, I didn't have a lot of them come into the house. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I, a lot of times now I, I do now, but when I was little, I didn't, I didn't experience that as much. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm thankful though. Yeah. I can imagine that would be terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I've, what, what I've had happen a lot is like, I'll go to a house and I'll feel like it's haunted or something. And then they follow me home. Now I've had uh-huh. happen, as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, that's happened quite a few times and it's very frightening because you think somebody's broken to your house. Yeah. You wake mm-hmm. up and they're standing there. I had yeah. one guy one time I went into a, it was a bed and breakfast. It was a grand opening of a bed and breakfast in Lakeland, Florida. And I was with a whole big group of people. We were going through an antique district and mm-hmm. we were going to go and see this really beautiful redone house that had been abandoned for many years and they made it into this gorgeous bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I got on the property, I thought, Oh no, it's haunted. But yeah. the people I was with didn't know that I did because I keep this really quiet. I don't talk about it. And right. so I thought, should I stand out here and then have them grill me about why I won't go in the house or should I go in the house and take my chances? And so I decided right. to go in the house and take my chances. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I walked in and I was in the like little foyer area and I looked to the left and there was a guy sitting on the stairs and he looked just as real as you and me, you know, mm-hmm. but he looked at me and he got eyes real wide because I was looking at him and I thought, right. Oh, you know, <laughs> and I uh-huh. went people and I walked back out really quickly, you know, cause I thought, man, this is not a good thing. And, uh, so a couple of them came out. Are you okay? You look white as a sheet. Did you see a ghost? What's wrong with you? You know, and yeah. I'm laughing because they're just using that as a phrase. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I did. You know, I didn't say that. So I said, no, no, I just needed some air. I just felt a little lightheaded. Just let me stand mm-hmm. up. I'll be all right. Well, I didn't go back in. So later that night, this is the first and only time this has ever happened to me. I woke up in the middle of the night with my arms straight up in the air. And huh. the guy was holding my hand, standing next to the bed. Oh, creepy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it scared the heck out of me. <laughs> yeah, I can, ima- I can imagine. I'd be scared, too. <laughs> you know, sure. you just don't expect that, you know. Right. But um, after I got over my fear, I think I even yelled. Um, <laughs> he, he crossed. We had a very brief conversation, and he, he crossed. 
So it's quite beautiful. But it turned out he had he had been living there homeless uh-huh. and he died. He died in the house. Okay. And then when they fixed the house up, yeah, he was still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, I don't think he, I think he died of a drug overdose. I don't think he uh-huh. realized why nobody could see him. We had a little conversation and he passed. Uh-huh. Um, I think he died of a drug overdose. And I was just saying how sad it was when they're, when they're caught. Right. It's just really tragic. And uh, they're scared. You know? Because in your, your opinion, it's you don't think they know they're dead. The ones that I have had, now this is just me. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure other people are different, but the ones that I have had contact with are caught in between. And, um, and I don't think, I don't think any of them that I recall have known. Okay. Yeah. Most of them are kind of, yeah, they, no, I can't think of one that I've known that was knew that they were dead. I've done some really huge things like battlegrounds and things like that too. I can imagine there would be um, a ton of stuff, especially in the South with the civil mm-hmm. war. I mean, oh, yeah. do you, do you go to like historic places? I have in the past, but um, I've had people contact me to help them. I don't even know how they find my name, but um, I had one in West Virginia that, uh, she ended up buying a house that was very haunted, and mm-hmm. um, I went through a whole big thing with her. And it ended up she was very near a battleground, and I didn't realize that. But I ended uh-huh. up um, sending over probably two hundred people one night. Wow! Yeah, that was pretty astounding. Um, I so didn't expect that. When you do that, when you say two hundred people, is it kind of like you're they're all in a field and you're there talking to them or whatnot, or do? you know you help one or two and then a bunch kind of go with them. Yeah. Well, what happened with that particular thing is it started at her house. Um, she was okay. living in a house that had been used for the underground railway for black slaves. And uh, oh, I kept telling her that at one point that house had burned and she kept arguing with me and said, no, it hadn't. Well, they got to digging around in the house. And I, of course I'm not there. I'm, I'm in, North Carolina. I don't have to uh-huh. go anywhere. I can do this, you know, from wherever. Okay. And uh, she wanted to fly me in. And I said, I don't need to go there. I can do it right here. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to go there, actually. Anyway, her mom came and she kept telling her mom it was haunted. Well, her mom didn't believe it. Well, they started digging around in the house because they had just bought it not maybe two months before. And uh, they started digging around in it and they found a false wall behind one of the closets. Mm-hmm. And so they opened it, and sure enough, the back end of that house had burned, just like I told them it had. Uh-huh. And it led down into the basement. Well, <clears throat> they went down there, and the mom ended up getting bitten. What, what bit her? Well, I don't know. You know, <laughs> but it looked like human bite. Huh? And, uh, yeah, I mean, people think these things can't hurt you, but it, in certain, not. I mean, I, I've never only been hurt a couple times by them, but um, they can hurt you if you're not careful. So you need to be real careful dealing with this stuff. Wow. Did the mom actually just feel the bite or did she like see? No, you could see it on her skin. Wow. Yeah. And um, so whatever was in that house was not a good thing. And I kept telling that woman, it was a notorious house. Everybody, well, she was growing up in that area. Everybody kept saying it was haunted. Right. And or she bought it. 
Mm-hmm. And she took the two little girls there. And I was like, this is no place for your daughters to be being raised. Cause they were like four and five and they were uh-huh. screaming all the time. And I'm like, you can't, you can't do, you can't do that. So, I mean, I worked on that yeah. house for a month or so and got it pretty cleaned out. Well, then she called me at four o'clock in the morning, one morning and in hysterics and, uh, she she didn't tell me what had been going on there. I said, you know, what's happening? That was pretty clear. And she said, oh, my gosh, they attacked my daughter. And I'm like, you have got to get your children out of there. Yeah. You cannot have your children in there. Well, then a friend of mine who had kind of hooked this particular person up with me, um, she called me the next day and said, look, she's doing seances there and everything else. And I'm like, well, no wonder. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she's calling them to her. Yeah, you can't do, you can't have it both ways, you know. So I don't know whatever happened to her, but um, what I told her I would try and help her one more time for the children's sake. And um, that's when this huge thing, when I ended up, I I asked this friend of mine, I said, can you help me with this? Because I think it's going to be kind of big. And she said, sure. So she came over and I went into a light meditation. And um, next thing I know, it's like I'm standing in in this forest or, you know, outside of a forest mm-hmm. and I see this huge light just streaming up behind the forest. And it looks like, uh, I don't like a football stadium or something. It's so bright. And I thought, why am I out here? You know, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be at this person's house. You know, why am I out in the middle of nowhere? Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> next thing I know, here comes a line of people, wow. me, you know, and that's, that was from the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And they looked totally bewildered. (laughs) And I just kind of directed them through the woods. I just kept saying, just keep moving, just keep moving, you know? Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, It was was really beautiful, that one. And you did that while you were not there, correct? No, I wasn't there. No. So you were meditating. I don't don't need to be anywhere. It's uh, on the spiritual realm. It's it's all energy. So you don't really have to go anywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I have gone some places and I have to say it's been way more intense for me to do that. Right. Because you're surrounded by the whole thing. You right. Know? You're kind of at the power source in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. You uh-huh. are. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's very unusual. And you mentioned seances. So, um, cause you know, like the Ouija board and the seances, I don't normally think of those as those as real things, but you, mm-hmm. would, do you feel like they are? I don't use Ouija boards at all. I uh-huh. was given one as a child to practice my abilities and it was so scary to me. I stopped using it, you know, uh-huh. cause you don't know who you're getting, you know, mm-hmm. um, you have no idea you're opening that door, you know, mm-hmm. I just <laughs> don't suggest anybody using them, but you know, I'm sure some people are really good at it and they can kind of control it, but I'm not one of them. Okay. Yeah. So you think when people are doing that, that they really are, unless people are obviously trying to fake it, that people really can contact people on the other side with, with the Ouija board then? Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much control you have over it. But, you know, that's just me. I'm, I'm, I don't do this professionally, you know. Right. Um, yeah. And my my expertise really is helping people that are caught in the in-between. Mm-hmm. So I can't really talk about how others contact, you know, right. specific people. I, I've not had that. Okay. Myself. 
Mm-hmm. Well, although a couple of days ago, I did have it. I, I can't say never. A, another psychic friend of mine's mom just died, and I had, I had, she asked me to contact her, and I did. But she was standing with one, one foot in and one foot out, and she just needed a little help. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She wasn't caught. She was just hesitating. Right. Interesting. But I can tell you something that may help people. Like, if you ever feel like you're being haunted, and what that is a lot of times is the standard things. You feel cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel something sitting on your chest. You feel you might hear things. You might see things out of the corner of your eye. Um, this was taught to me years ago before I knew how to handle it. And it's, you just say to them, turn around, look behind you. Your friends and your family are waiting. Oh, mm-hmm. And most times they'll go. Uh-huh. Um, that's, it's a very simple redirect. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, you've got to get their attention off of the fear. You know? Right. Well, that is very interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of what other, like your experiences and um, can you tell us about maybe another um, experience, something that you've done? I can tell you how I think it sometimes works. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is something that happened to me years ago. I was probably in my twenties and I was friends with this girl. We both worked at Sears repair in Florida mm-hmm. and we would, we'd have little times during the day where it was calm and we could talk. And so we, we got to talking about this kind of stuff and, mm-hmm. um, Anyway, she knew that I did this kind of work and, you know, she is the type of person. She, you know, she liked me. She wanted to believe it, but you know, until you see it, it's hard to believe mm-hmm. it. You know? Right. So anyway, um, a few, maybe a months, a few months later, she came to work very upset one day and I said, you know, what's going on? What happened? And she said, a very good friend of mine from Michigan, that's where she was originally from. Um, he died last yeah. night. And I said, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. And she said, Yeah. And it was so upsetting emotionally that she couldn't speak of it. She had to right. walk away from me. And so that night I woke up for in a I was in a deep sleep, just totally asleep. And I woke up and sat up and there was this guy or something. I didn't really know what it was in my bed. And it's it was just this it looked like a monster. And mm-hmm. I screamed, you know, because it yeah. scared me so badly. And uh I mean, and plus you're asleep, you know, <laughs> right. And this looks horrific. And, uh, and then I started feeling really horrible because all I felt coming from it was fear and confusion, you know, mm-hmm. and then I really got to looking at it and it was like, he had been in a serious accident, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he was scared out of his mind. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Look, you just scared me. Um, you can look like you used to look, you don't have to look like this now. Mm-hmm. And so now I might start crying over this one. Um, <clears throat> so he, it was a weird thing where you could see his face changing. He was really this really cute blonde guy, mm-hmm. just really, really cute, probably about maybe 20, 22, mm-hmm. something. And, uh, and he was just standing there, you know, kind of looking around like, where am I? Right. And I said, you know, you're all right. You're going to be just fine. I said, you're out of your body now, but you're, you're no longer in pain. Mm-hmm. And I said, and you can, you can cross now. And the light started coming through him and it was coming all around him. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it was just streaming through his eyes. Mm-hmm. And, it, and he was smiling, this just radiance. And it was just so incredible. And 
then he was gone. And mm-hmm. and that was it. He never, I don't even think he spoke to me. Uh-huh. So anyway, the next day I went to work and Wendy was talking to me. And this is this had been a little while after, you know, after she had told me that her friend had died. And so anyway, she said, How are you doing? And I said, Well, I had a real weird experience last night. Mm-hmm. And so I started talking to her about it. And um she said, What what did this guy look like? And I said, Well, he was really, really cute. Mm-hmm. And was blonde and just had the prettiest smile and and she goes how old was he and I said well he looked like he was in his 20s and she just her eyes were really really big and Mm -hmm. she said well what did he look like when you said he looked like a monster and I said well he he had a bad injury on his face and she started crying Uh and um I was like oh my god you know (laughs) what did I say now you Mm -hmm. know and she she revealed that it was her best friend from a Michigan and that he had been shot in the face Oh my with gosh. A shotgun, with a shotgun. And that's why I thought he was a monster. Right. His face was deformed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, pretty much not there. Or there. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, and that was, pre- you know, that proved to her and me, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, it was one of those things where it was like, wow, I, I really do this, you know? Yeah. I was just going to say sometimes the things that I have experienced are, are so bizarre that even I can't wrap my mind around it. And right. So I don't expect anyone else to either. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've been called all kinds of things from touch to the head to flat ass crazy. Right. And all I can say is, Hey, I'm, I'm doing the work, whether you think I'm nuts or not, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Again, who are you going to call ghostbusters when you have, it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So do you, um, sage a house or if you if you feel like a place is haunted are there things that you do that you know maybe we think of in, in tv shows you know where people will sage a house or or do mm-hmm. this the salt circle yeah um, or do you do more of just talking directly to the spirit and helping them move on or or i do, i do the latter like you just said but I'm glad you brought that up because that can help listeners. Um, if you've ever felt invaded, you know, by something that's not, you know, that's not worldly, as we say, you can use sage. Um, and then I've had some of them just laugh at it. You know, mm-hmm. you're crazy, that doesn't do nothing to me. But um, I've seen it work on others. And you can get holy water and do little crosses with holy water on every window. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can mix salt and olive oil and and put a line of it at all your doorways and then bless your house mm-hmm. you know and bless yourself i mean you have to do certain things like that anyway i was just i just saged my house today uh-huh. i don't do it all the time right but yeah that's something that people can do that that helps um mm-hmm. lavender uh water lavender oil with water i think it's well maybe not water but it's a mix mm-hmm. that you can spray on you to kind of clear the energy off too interesting so do you think people have energy? Like, would you, is that kind of like an aura or what would you, how would you describe energy? You mean the energy of the spirit or um, RN? I guess both or. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's all kind of the same. Um, the thing with, oh, one thing I was going to mention, the thing with spirits uh, that I've seen now, it could be different, but like with that, with my friend, Wendy, <clears throat> that guy followed our conversation like right road mm-hmm. you know it's like they can follow thought because thought is energy mm-hmm. and they can follow it right to a medium if they need help right 
Mm-hmm. So you consider, are you considered a medium then or a psychic or? Uh, I've had some psychic abilities my whole life, but I don't utilize them that much. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I've seen some things that would be considered psychic because they're in the future. Okay. And it used to really, really upset me because I never get enough information. Like I saw a murder one time Mm -hmm. and uh, it, it was just horrific. And the guy turned around and, and he had visual contact with me and started coming after me. And I was in an out of body experience when uh-huh. this happened. And uh, it was terrifying. He was stabbing someone to death in a, on a beach in Lake Wales, Florida. And uh, I had no idea where. I didn't know when. I didn't know if it already happened. I didn't know what. And two days later, somebody called me and said, Did you hear about that murder in Lake Wales at the beach? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, No, I didn't hear about it. I saw it. Wow. Well, you know? <laughs> But that kind of thing bothered me for years. Like I knew about 9-11 about six months before it happened, that I didn't know what it was going to be. I was about out of my mind. I I knew it was going to be three explosions. And I actually thought it was like the beginning of World War III. I was just out of my mind for six months over it. I couldn't shake it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that ended up being about a year of clearing um, mm-hmm. after it happened, um, helping people cross. Mm. So would you say that you actually helped people who, um, had died in the nine eleven attack? Okay. Yeah. And I think it's because I, I was for some, whatever reason, I knew this was going to happen and I guess they were preparing it from the other side. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, that is I interesting that I cried about it for 10 years. Right. This um, so hard. Well, that is, that is tough. That's some hard stuff. And when I think about mediums and like you were talking about being able to see the future in a sense, um, I think of the TV show, the medium. I love that show. (laughs) Um, Would you say that your experiences are kind of similar to hers? No, I think it's really funny because she had to drink to stop it. And I stopped drinking because of it. <laughs> you know, because I can't drink or DJ. And everybody's like, why don't you ever drink or anything? It's because the more I do those things, the worse it gets. Okay. You know, it's like it lowers my defenses or whatever. I don't know. But uh-huh. and I don't have full blown conversations with these people. That is a real big difference that, mm-hmm. you know, she used to go out and have big old conversations. I'm lucky if I can speak to one for a minute. Right. Know? Okay. They're so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Most times, I mean, I've had situations where it took me a year to get somebody to cross, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't because we had conversations every doggone day, you know, it was because they didn't want to see me. Mm -hmm. No. And they, and, and it's not like I can go in and just snatch them out of where I'm them into the light. You know, I, I have to kind of coax them out sometimes, you know, and, and get them to trust me that I'm helping them. You know, so would you say, um, like, because you you're not hindered by location? No. Do you do you think you see most of them when you're in like a out of body experience or when you're asleep? Like, is is our dreams uh, a great way to connect with these spirits? For me, <clears throat> I'm conscious in in a light meditation most times. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very clear audience, which means I hear them more than I see them. 
Okay. Um, if I'm in a light meditation, I can have the full experience, mm-hmm. you know. But I say that, and then I've seen them in the day in a store. Right. You know, I mean, and I can tell you one thing that's pretty astounding. I was in this store called Earth Fair up here. And um, years before I had met this girl, and she was a real big goth girl, you know, mm-hmm. black and tattoos, and she worked at Earth Fair. Uh-huh. And she was friends with me and a friend, my friend Craig. And uh, so anyway, we all three met because Craig's an artist and so am I. So we were going to do some artwork for Earth Fair. And it never manifested. But it was real strange because we had a conversation with her. And then Craig knew her personally. Mm-hmm. And then Craig told me that the girl, the goth girl, had moved to Charlotte where Craig had moved. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I didn't see her for years. Well, then one day I saw her at Earth Fair. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, gosh, she's moved back. Mm-hmm. You know, goth girl have, has moved back. Right. And in there with another Earth Fair employee and they were helping a, um, a customer. Mm-hmm. And they were like in the you know, in the health food area or the health area, looking at naturopathic medicine or whatever. It was something like that. And I thought, well, that's really cool that she's back in town, you know, because I I always kind of liked her and she was very unusual looking and just real radical. So anyway, this this thing came over me and it said, ask her about her daughter. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to walk up and ask her about her daughter. She's helping a customer. You know, so I had this little internal argument where I know Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. Right. You know, so then several months, well, no, I, I think that was probably in October. And in December, Craig came up from Charlotte to Asheville, where I live, and I had breakfast with him. And I said, Craig, man, it's cool. The golf girl has come back to Asheville. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I saw an earth fair, you know, a couple months ago. And he goes, no, you didn't. And I said, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. I met her. I know who she is. And he's like, you couldn't have seen her. And I said, what do you mean? I saw her standing right now. I saw her three or four times in Earth Fair. And he said, she died. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean she died? And he said, they found her on a railroad track in Charlotte. Oh. You know, but I saw her just as solid mm-hmm. as anything. And when they told me, ask her about her daughter, and I argued with them, I think that's what was locking her here, mm. was her daughter, mm-hmm. you know. Because she was a little baby when I when I met her, uh-huh. but it was that's just one of the things when I had the realization. Well, gee, you know, how many are you seeing that you don't know? Right. I really thought she was real, you know. And you thought everybody else could see her too, in a sense. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like if they yeah. looked, they would see her. Mm-hmm. I had absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was. No, I didn't hear her speak because she was looking over the shoulder of a customer, just like you would do. When yeah. You're the customers when a couple of you there are talking to a customer it was that mm-hmm. you know and and I even asked my uh, my friend that I was with I said did you see golf girls back in town and she's like no I didn't see her and I said yeah I've seen her a couple times in the store I mean that's how real I thought she yeah. was mm-hmm. you know and then when Craig told me that she I mean I that we both about fell over you know yeah. because he knows he knows me really well I've known him for years and he knows I do this work but I had no idea mm-hmm. you know Wow, that's incredible. Could you give us some information on um like what are some other things that you've done with other psychics? Like do you take on big cases? Like I guess you don't really work with the police or anything. Do you feel like you could? Like yeah. you feel, you could, but um you don't want to? Uh, I was I worked with one of the most famous psychics in Florida for four or five years, um, Caroline Hart. And uh she's actually passed over now, but um 
yeah, we worked together and we did some really large hauntings in mm-hmm. Central Florida. And uh, one of them went on for over a year afterwards. Um, it was a real big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I left Florida over it, actually. But yeah, that one was hard to deal with. Um, yeah. And I had this sign I consent that I would never speak about it. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's a well-known haunted place and they called me in to clear it. Mm-hmm. And so, so I called I called the radio station that Caroline was on all the time, 95YNF in Tampa. And I talked mm-hmm. to the DJ and I said, I need to get a hold of Caroline Hart. And uh, he said, what do you need to talk to her about? And I said, I've got a huge haunting. I don't want to do it by myself. And right. she's the only one that I know that might be able to help me. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, that's funny you'd ask because she just walked in the studio. Oh. Mm-hmm. And she put me on the phone to her. And um, she said, I'm going to give you my phone number. I want you to call me tonight. And so I did. And she was in Tampa and I was in Winter Haven at the time. And mm-hmm. I called her and she said, you're the most psychic person I've ever talked to. She said, are you doing this professionally? And I said, no, I do it to help people. And she said, I will help you then, you know. Oh, that's so mm-hmm. She called a, another medium from Atlanta. And the three of us, it took us eight hours to clear mm-hmm. this place. And, yeah. uh, and it wasn't clear by any means. Um, like I said, it took me over a year mm-hmm. to get to the person that I felt was the control that was not letting people pass. Mm-hmm. What did it for him is, you know, love. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was trying to beat me with a bullwhip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he was a plantation owner and uh-huh. uh, grabbed him and told him I loved him. Mm-hmm. That's what's over, you know. Mm-hmm. The beauty of it is astounding. Yeah. Uh, can be. And then the horror of it is just this, just the opposite, you know. Mm-hmm as good as it can be and as horrible as you can ever imagine. Right. Well, my daughters and I, we were talking and, you know, we're in Georgia now. I live in Georgia and, you know, there's a lot of civil war stuff that happened in Georgia. So we were talking and, and I think, is it possible that, you know, we have ghosts all around us that we just don't even see? Yes. They've explained this to me many times. Um, What they say is we're in another realm, just a step away. You know, if you ever need us, we're just a step away is what they yeah. always mm-hmm. And they always say, you are the stars. And they're talking about our physical makeup is the same as mm-hmm. the stars, you know. Um, so, yes, they are all around huh. us. It's just, it's just a parallel dimension. How I look at that is uh, I used to do a lot of pretty amazing artwork that was directly from meditation. I showed it mm-hmm. all over Florida at one point. But how I look at that, it's like a screen and you put one needle in the screen and this is where you are. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the screen is every other possibility Mm -hmm. going every way up, down, right, left, Uh back, forward. You know, it's, it's like, that's, that's how I've, it's been explained to me, you Mm -hmm. know, the uh, realms are just too many to even put a Mm -hmm. number on, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's some interesting stuff, and and it's interesting to hear the the different theories or explanations for how things are working or why you think things are working a certain yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, some of it's pretty bizarre. I mean, someone's like, "What?" Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Even, be, 
what? I'll be honest. I, I never really believed this stuff, but I've come to the conclusion that I can believe if, if I'm polite and to other people who I don't believe what they believe, then I should be polite also to these because we really just don't know. Mm-hmm. It's extending the same courtesy as because I think about the Christians, because I was actually raised in a very strict Christian home. And the, Christianity has angels, demons, you know, mm-hmm. they have this other spiritual world going on. And it's like, if, if I could believe that that was okay, or that was, that was reality, then why can't your version should be, could be just as valid as the other version? Yes, yes. And, and I've dealt, I've had people call me a, a devil worshiper. And I, I mean, I've put up with a lot of really negative, right? Uh, you know, phobias, practically, you know, that, you know, you can't be what you say you are. And it's like, I don't know why you think that there's people in the Bible that can do what I do. And now that right. now, modern times that that's gone away. I mean, why is why is that? Right. You know? And you're right. There is there's a lot of supernatural stuff in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Saul actually went to a medium or a witch in Indoor. He was the the king before King David. And he went to this medium to to get information like what will he be able to remain king or not? So mm-hmm. you know even the, the wording is even in the Bible of him going to a medium. Now he was punished for doing that. He shouldn't, you know, he wasn't supposed to do that. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it is in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it is interesting. Well, there's, there's, you know who Alan Kardec is? I don't, I don't recognize that name. Um, he was a scientist and researcher, I think in the late 1800s. And that's when all the table turning was going on, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what they called table turning. And there was a lot of hoaxes that there was a lot of lies and stuff. It wasn't all real. Right. But he started investigating it to disbunk it, to debunk it, uh-huh. you know, wanted to disprove it, debunk this whole thing that it was all lies. So he started, I think he started with a pair of twin girls that were teenagers. They were probably having a lot of experiences because I, I find that when, when kids are coming into, uh, you know, puberty, a lot of times this stuff really pops up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he he went and they started answering scientific questions to him that a child that age or, you know, 13, 14 years old would never know. Right. And it piqued his interest. And he ended up studying this for years. And he wrote the book, The Spiritualist Doctrine. And if you want to read something interesting, that's kind of like my Bible. Mm-hmm. And it, uh it's his research of mm-hmm. the supernatural and how he became, he went from being a very hardcore scientist that didn't believe any of it to a believer, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of like the book I'm writing. My, the, the therapist went from being a very hardcore disbeliever right. to a believer, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you can only see so much and finally you get it, you know, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. person that's sitting in front of me in my office is not insane. Well, and it, it kind of goes against what people, people don't want it to be real in a sense. They don't want to feel like they could be surrounded by ghosts or, yeah. you know, p- so people don't want to think about it and they, they want to be able to tell people, oh, you're just making that up or something because it's a lot yeah. more comforting to them yeah. to believe that than to believe the other. Yeah. But if you, if you look on it on the flip side, <clears throat> What I do has helped a lot of people that are alive too, because um, it gives them hope that there really is an afterlife. Yeah. You know, that there really is beauty on the other side. There there really is love there. Mm -hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. and acceptance. Um, and that's what I've seen. Right. You know, it's just incredible. That, well, I guess it's some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Well, and it's nice to have that hope. People like yeah. to, to have the hope of, well, I will see my loved one again. Oh, oh yeah. 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 And, and it's not just humans. I've seen animals too. Oh, really? You know? uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It wouldn't be heaven without animals to me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> want our animals there, right? Oh, yeah, man. I'm telling you, I definitely, yeah, I'm an animal person big time. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. But, uh, I've, I've seen some incredible things with uh, some animals and things, mm-hmm. too, you know. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I have a question, and this might not be what your experience is, but um, probably a lot of people have been where you think you see something out of the corner of your eye, you know, or you mm-hmm. think you see someone and then you look, they're not there. Yeah. Do you think when people are experiencing that, do you think they are getting a glimpse into another realm or do you think that's just a, a weird thing that, you know, sometimes our minds see things? I, I think it could be a mixture of both. I mean, it's just kind of a toss up what that is, you know, cause everybody's right. experience is a little bit different, but yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I've definitely seen things like that my whole life. You know? So you do. And mm-hmm. I have children and see them all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have the the ingrained whatever. You know, they're they're still fresh, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and plus they're just coming from that realm, I believe. You okay. Know? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting mm-hmm. perspective too. Yeah. That they're yeah. they're leaving a spiritual or whatever type of realm to to yeah. enter this. Well, let me tell you one thing that I find real interesting, and this was explained to me. Um, somebody, you know, people say, well, wh- why would we choose to come here? You know, why why would we come here to suffer? What what what's what's that all about? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like lessons to improve your soul. But mm-hmm. one thing I was told that was absolutely beautiful, and I didn't really think about this. I was told that spirits a lot of times come here because it's the closest thing to God they'll ever be. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, why is that? And they said, because every cell in your body is God, you know, and it's like your soul is being wrapped by mm-hmm. that energy that keeps us alive, you know? Uh-huh. That's interesting. And I thought, Man, that's just amazing. And I actually had a conversation with my, um, one of my professors in college and I said to him, you know, what, what's the basis of, of a cell? And he said, we don't know. And I said, well, is it energy? And he said, yes. And I said, do you think it's the God side? And he said, I do. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, that made that thing that I was told even more plausible. It's like, yeah, we're attracted to the energy of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you would say you believe in a God. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. If, well, let me tell you this. I, I was in deep meditation one time and all of a sudden I found myself in the palm of a man's hand. Mm -hmm. Like I was asleep in the palm of a huge hand. And I thought, Oh my gosh, God is a man. And then a woman's hand covered it. (laughs) So it was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, why, why wouldn't it be both? Why does it have to be one or the other? other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it it was really beautiful. (laughs) mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say, there's also like in with Christianity, there, you know, God is always referred to in them as a masculine in the Bible, but he's really not a man. You know, yeah. it's kind of like he's genderless in the sense of he's not male or female. Yeah. 
but it, it isn't because he is off. He is the only way he's referred to in the Bible is as a man, you know, yeah. He. yeah. but that's interesting how you uh, perceived what looked like maybe a male hand and then a female hand on top. Yeah. A female hand covered me and protected me. It was beautiful. Yeah. You know, just uh-huh. one small moment, but I mean, why wouldn't it? And plus, you know, for years it was a matriarchal society and then it wasn't. Uh-huh. Know? women's bodies were the all powerful. And I still believe that. I mean, right now we bring, Interesting. Mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's pretty yeah. amazing. That whole thing. <laughs> right. It is. I mean, it's miraculous. Yeah, if, yeah it is. It is. And I've been told now, I don't know for sure that when the conception takes place, the spirit is standing on the outside and as it slowly incorporates into the body and mm-hmm. You're not fully incorporated until you're like 18 to 20. I don't know. I, I, it's just my experience, just what I've been told. So I don't know. I would imagine that we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We'll ha- always have these questions and maybe we'll know when we die, but you know, maybe yeah. we won't even know because there's nothing or we'll know and it'll be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, yeah. do we start all over again? I don't know. You know, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think personally, I think I believe in reincarnation personally, mm-hmm. but I do think that you can elevate to a level where you don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, but like I said, when I question why do souls keep coming here, it's like to be the closest to God they can. You, you would know? think that they would be closer to God on the other in yeah. the more spiritual realm. I would think that too, but how it was explained to me is you're surrounded by it, you're enwrapped by it, you're held by it, it breathes you, huh. you know, mm-hmm. it's what it's what breathes us, it's what beats our heart, it's the energy, mm-hmm. the energy in us is that, which is, it's astounding and beautiful, you mm-hmm. know. Well, yeah. I am so glad that you were willing to come on here and talk with us. This is, yeah. it's very interesting, because I, I really don't know much about sort of how you, um, can use your gift or whatnot. And so it, it is interesting to hear. And I would imagine that uh, there are a lot of people out there who will find this interesting too. And I guess I would just want to thank you. And were there any books um, that you wanted to mention uh, that readers could look for on Amazon that you write? Oh yeah. Um, I'm working on a paranormal series right now and it's, um, it starts in the 1300s, which is a very close, close uh, time period for me personally. And it goes through to modern times and it's uh, it's reincarnation. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I've been working on that series for about 25 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So there's, uh, I think, four, four books in the 1300s, which is medieval. Okay. And then modern times, there's probably eight books. Wow. Yeah. Are you going to release all of those kind of close together? Yes, I'm working on all of them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to get them all out within the next year or so. Okay. Wow, that's a lot to get out. Yeah, that well, much. most of them are already written. Yeah. Um, some of them are hardcore. They're not easy, some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's good and bad in both. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's life. It's it's all that. Yeah. You know? But there's spirits and angels in some of them, and uh, you know, my and my experiences, of course, are all through it. Uh-huh. There's it's a um, psychic detective that's tracking a serial killer. That's uh, I actually did the research 
with the same guy that did the Silence of the Lambs, uh, uh-huh. a researcher that helped him. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So th- it's, and plus I had like two detectives help me <laughs> with that book. But mm-hmm. um, yes, it's, I just had one of my ARC readers, advanced reader copies. Uh, she wrote me and said, I finished it. I started at 8 a.m. I finished it at 5 a.m. I had to it. put it down. <laughs> I was good. really, really happy about that. But she said, you know, I really hate you for it. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to go take a nap now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't happy because I give the side of the killer and why he is how he is. Uh-huh. You know? And uh, that was upsetting to her. But um, after doing the research and, you know, mm-hmm. it is a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming on. And when you do actually get those ready to be published, please let me know and we can have you on again and yeah. you can kind of have a chance to talk about them with listeners. Yeah. And if people want to, they can, uh, I'm on Facebook. That's primarily what I've, I'm on all the different social networking mm-hmm. sites, but uh, they can always follow me, Tracy Grace on Facebook if they're interested. Um, and then I'll, I'll let people know when, when everything's getting ready to launch. Perfect. And I'm also doing the, the born dead book, which um, I think that'll probably come after the series or like in between. And then I actually have a psychic book consultant that I work with. Um, she's incredible. And uh, she said that they're telling her that I need to do a biography with a workbook. Uh-huh. So that's what we're going to work on after that. Very cool. Yeah. And that's Tracy is T-R-A-C-E-Y-G-R-A-C-E. Right? That's it. Tracy yes. Grace. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. And um I know I'll see you on Amazon. We're on Vela all the time, all the time. Yeah. With that. <laughs> yeah. We're out there all the time. All the time. Well, thank, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And um, let me know when you're getting those others published and we'll definitely have you on again. Do you want to be part of my secret obsession? I'm looking for secrets and tattletales to read aloud on the podcast. Do you know any small town secrets? Have you had a brush with danger that rocked your world? Are supernatural activities or hauntings keeping you up at night? Write your story and send it to my secret obsession podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow my secret obsession on Instagram and Twitter at Cherish Lively. In our next episode, Lewis and I will discuss H.H. Holmes. He's rumored to be America's first serial killer with possibly 200 lives cut short by his hands. You can watch American Ripper on Hulu in preparation for Tuesday. Thank you for joining me for this episode of My Secret Obsession. New episodes drop on Tuesdays and Fridays.